Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. The short story that we're going to take look at, at in Numbers 32 takes place after the Israelite people had been enslaved in Egypt for 40 years. That, that the children of Israel were brought into Egypt and they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years until God, working through a man named Moses, brings about this incredible, miraculous exodus of the people out of Egypt. They're set free from slavery. And what we discover is that God had given them a promise hundreds of years before they came out of slavery to to them well before they had ever ended up in Egypt, that God had said, I've got land set aside for you. And one day you're going to take possession of this land. This is going to be your home. It's what we would call the promised land. And so as the children of Israel are leaving Egypt, they're heading to the promised land. That's where they're being led. That's where God's directing them to the promised land. And when we come to Numbers 32, we find that they're just about there. They've journeyed from Egypt all the way to just about in the promised land. But before we jump into the the text, there's two things I want to make sure that that you know of, because you'll need to understand it to to make some sense of this. First is that the people, they're currently on the east side of the Jordan River. So there's this big river, the Jordan River, and when God gave them the promised land, he told them, I will give you everything west of the Jordan River. So as they've come to the Jordan River, they're currently on the east side of the river. The other side of this river is God's promised land for the people. And so when I say they're almost there, that's how close they are. They just have to cross the river. Now, the second thing that we have to understand is that the children of Israel, they've been divided up into what they call 12 tribes. 12, it's the way that they've divided up the people, 12 people groups. And each one of the groups is named after one of Isaac's sons. And so, or one of Jacob's sons, sorry, named after one of Jacob's sons. And, what, and God's original plan, God's promise to the people, the promised land, was that all 12 of these tribes, all 12 of these people groups, they would cross the Jordan River from the east to the west, and they would take possession of the land together on the west side of the river. And they would all live together on the west side of the river. And so as they're getting ready to cross the river, as they've come to the east side of the river and they're getting ready to cross the river, we come to Numbers 32, where we read, starting in verse 1, the Reubenites and the Gadites, who had very large herds and flocks, saw that the land of Jazer and Gilead were suitable for livestock. Now there's a couple words in there that you may not quite be able to wrap your head around. I want to let you know that the Reubenites and the Gadites... Reuben and Gad were two of Jacob's sons. And so that's two of the 12 tribes of Israel, these these two people groups. And what we know, what we find out about them is that they have large herds. So that means they've got lots of sheep and and goats and whatever else 
cows maybe, I don't know what they had, but they had large herds, and when they looked at the land of Gazer and Gilead, that's land on the east side of the river. So it's where, there are, where they are now, and they're looking around at the east side of the river, and they're realizing, hey, this looks pretty good. This land looks pretty nice. It's it's got lots of grass for our herd seed. This looks like the exact kind of place we might want to settle. In fact, what we see and we discover is that because the, the land that they were in, as, as the Israelites moved through, they had to go to battle and war with lots of different people groups and, and cities in those lands. And so there was even abandoned cities in this land that they could live in. That as they were to go to... Um, settle the land, they would come to a place where they would look around and they would see this, this land looks really good. And there's homes for us to live in. There's cities for us to live in. There's everything we need for our herds. And there's everything we need for us. This looks pretty good. And they started to think to themselves, what if we just moved in here? How much better could the other side of the river be than this? How much better could it actually be? I can't think of a way that it could be better than this. Maybe we should just stay here. So the leaders of these tribes, they go to the leaders of, of Israel with a proposition. In verse 2 it says, so they came to Moses and Eleazar the priest and to the leaders of the community and said, these are the names of, of the leaders of the community. I can stumble through that or we can just say, they said, fellas, I've got an idea. The land the Lord subdued before the people of Israel are suitable for livestock. And your servants and have livestock. If we have found favor in your eyes, they said, let this land be given to your servants as our possession do not make us cross the Jordan. And so they go to the leaders of Israel and they say, we've been doing some thinking. And as we look around where we are right now, it seems like this is a pretty great place to stop and to settle. We, we like it here. It's got pretty much everything we need. And it doesn't seem likely to us that the other side of the river, even though the other side of the river, we know it's technically the land God promised to us, but it doesn't seem like there's any real way that the other side of the river could be much better than what we have here. We know that that's God's promise, but when we look around, it doesn't get better than this. And so with your permission, we would love to stay here. Now, there's lots of back and forth throughout the rest of Numbers 32 between the leaders of Israel and the leaders of these tribes. But ultimately, when we come to the end of the chapter, what we see is that they say, okay, you, you can stay here. They knew that the land that God had given them, the land that God had promised them, the land that God said, this is what I have for you, wasn't where they were. It was on the other side of the river they knew God had promised them that land. But as they looked around at where they were now, they liked where they were. 
It had everything they wanted. They knew where they were. They didn't know what the land on the other side of the river was like. They didn't know what God had for them. They didn't know how it could be better than this. Maybe it could be worse. What happens if we know that we could have had this and we go across the river and God says, I'm going to put you to work. And we could have had that without any work. But now we got to do some stuff that we don't want to do. What if we go across the river and the, the, the land isn't as good for, for our herds? What if we go across the river and there's not ready-made cities and homes for us? What if we go across the river and, and God says, you need to build this land? We don't want to do that when we've got it all right here. Why change? Why go further? Why look for more? Let's stay where we are and just have the thing we know. Even though this, this wasn't everything God had for them and it wasn't all that God promised them, they liked where they were and they decided to stay. Now, I don't know about you, but I know what I pray for you and I know what I feel. I don't want to live my life opting out of the stuff God has for me. I don't want 50% of what God has for me. I don't want 75% of what God has for me. I don't even want 99% of what God has for me. If it's available to me, I want it. My prayer for myself my prayer for you, my prayer for us is that I want us to be greedy for the things of God. Now, I don't mean selfish, that somehow I'm going to go and try and steal from you what's yours, but whatever I've got coming to me, uh, <laughs> there we go, <laughs> whatever, whatever God has for me, I want all of it, not most of it, not pretty much all of it, all of it. I want us to want everything that God has for us. I want you to want everything. I want you to say, I want 100% of what God has for me. But I think that for many of us, when it comes to the things of God, especially when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can find ourselves maybe having a little too much in common with Reuben and Gad. We look at our lives and we're confronted with the idea of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's work in us and through us. And we start to look at our lives. We start to look at who we are. We start to look at what we've carved out for ourselves and we start to think, you know, I've been thinking. I kind of like it here. It's pretty comfortable. I, I don't know that I want change. And I especially don't know that I want that kind of change. I mean, what if God asks me to do something crazy? 
Well, what if God asks me to do something really out there? What, what if God asks me to do something embarrassing? What, what if God calls me to do something that I really have to step out in faith and I just really have to trust him? What if what God calls me to is less comfortable than what I'm doing right now? What if I don't like what God has for me? What if I don't like what the Holy Spirit asks me to do? What if I don't like how the Holy Spirit changes me? You know, I think maybe I'm just better off staying where I am. I don't know what God might want from me. So maybe I don't really want more of God. I'm comfortable with what I've got. And I'm just going to stay here. Now, in way of wrapping up the story from Numbers 32, we need to go to a different book in the Bible, 1 Chronicles chapter 5. Because this gives us sort of the second part of the story. And what we see here is that because Reuben and Gad, these two tribes, these two people groups, had settled on the other side of the river, it left them isolated from the rest of the tribes of Israel. They, they were separate. They were separated from them. And because of that separation, bad things started to happen in them, and bad things started to happen to them. And what we see is this. In, in, in uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 25, it says, But they were unfaithful. That's speaking of Reuben and Gad. To the God of their ancestors. So, so they, they stopped following the God who had led them there. They stopped following the God who had brought them to the promised land. To the God of their ancestors. And it says, they prostituted themselves to the gods of the people of the land. They started to worship and give themselves over to a different God. That, that they stopped following the God of Israel. And they started following other gods. In fact, it was the gods of the people whom the Lord had destroyed before. The people that God had removed from the land. They began to worship those people's gods. And it says, so the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Pol, king of Assyria, that is Talgalath Pilazer, king of Assyria, who took the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh into exile. The half-tribe of Manasseh was another people group that essentially, as Reuben and Gad are talking about how great the land is and how much they want to stay there. The half-tribe of Manasseh, Manasseh was another people group that were like, yeah, us too. We, we like this. Can, can we stay with them? And so they ends up with this, the, these, these three different people groups all staying and saying, we're going to stay on this side of the river. And they decided that, that instead of walking into the promise God had for them, they were going to stop short of that promise and trust themselves, and how they saw things, and to think that, that how they found themselves now was better than anything God could have had for them. And because they made that choice, because they said, I'm going to stop short of everything God has for me, because they made that choice, 
it cost them everything. Now, what I'm not saying here is that if we make a choice to stop short of what God has for us in our lives, you're going to be killed. So rest easy. I'm not even saying you're going to be taken away into slavery. But what I am saying is that when we stop short of everything that God has for us, we miss out on the fullness of what God does have for us. See, the people of of Reuben and Gad and Manasseh, if they had gone on to the other side of the river with everyone else, they would have been protected. They, They would have been together with the other 12 tribes. They wouldn't have been left isolated. But because they stopped short of what God had for them, they missed out on everything that God had for them. You're not going to die. God isn't going to inflict some awful punishment on us for stopping short of what God has for us fully. But we will miss out on the fullness of what God does have for us. And this, my friends, is what I want us to take away from this message. See, at the end of the service, before we close every week, I try and remember to tell you two things. So I want to let you know two things. We love you, and we believe in you. The we love you part, probably easy to figure that one out. God loves us, and God calls us to love each other. And so we love you. As a church, you are loved. As an individual, your church family loves you. But we also say we believe in you. And and that may seem odd, because what does it mean that we believe in you? But what what we want to convey by that, what we want you to know by that, is that we believe that we are a very special group of people. And that you are very special. And that as I look around this room, I see so many people that are capable of such incredible things. That God has gifted you in amazing ways. That God has placed incredible talents in you. That God has fearfully and wonderfully made you into the person that you are. And I want you to know that I believe, that we as a church believe, that you are capable of incredible things for God. But for each of us to reach our potential, for you to be everything that God has called you to be, for you to be what God has called you to be, for you to do what God has called you to do, for us as a church to be who God has called us to be, for us as a church to do what God has called us to do, then we as a people need to be willing to cross the river. To not just stay where things look comfortable and nice. 
to, to not look around at my life, look around at our lives, look around at who we are as a church and go, you know, this is pretty spectacular. How could it get any better than this? God, we, we don't need more. Let's, let's just stay here. But instead, we need to be willing to press forward into the unknown. I'm not going to sing the song. Um, but we need to be willing to press forward into the unknown, trusting God's promise for us. Trusting that our Heavenly Father knows how to give us the best gifts or gives us, give us the best gift in the Holy Spirit. Trusting that just as the Israelites had a promised land that they were called to go into, that you have a promised land in your life. That God has promises on your life. And we need to be willing to trust that we can walk in them. And to close, I want to remind you of a promise that God has given to you. Especially to those who, who maybe know that, yeah, I'm standing on the wrong side of the river. I know I'm standing on the wrong side of the river. And, and maybe I feel like I need to cross. Or, or maybe you look at your life and you go, I'm standing on the wrong side of the river. And you know, I'm okay with it. It's pretty good on this side of the river. I, I, when it comes to God and his plan for us, when it comes to God and his promised land for you, God makes us this incredible picture, or get, makes us this incredible promise about our future. God makes us this amazing promise. It's a promise that we read earlier in our, in our service, Jeremiah 29, 11. God makes you this promise about walking in who he's called you to be. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So as we stand on the east side of the river, not knowing what the west side holds, this is the promise God gives us for the other side of the river. I know what I have for you. It's not to harm you, but it's for your benefit. It's for your future. And it's going to fill you with hope. But you have to trust me and cross to the other side of the river. When we choose to cross the river, when we choose to go after everything that God has for us, when we choose to risk our comfort, when we choose to allow God and the Holy Spirit to work in us, God promises us a hope and a future. Friends, let's trust the Lord together. Let's pray. Father God, I am so in awe of the gifts that you've placed in this church. I am so in awe of the people that you have given to this body of believers. I am so struck by how gifted 
and talented, you have built your church. And God, I'm so thankful that for each person here, from the youngest to the oldest, God, you have incredible plans for their lives. God, your word that we read says that you know the plans. You're not figuring it out as you go. It's not something that, oh, it'll be fine. But you know the plans you have for each one. And so, God, my prayer for me, my prayer for each one gathered here, my prayer for each one watching online, my prayer for each one who will hear this, God, help us to not stop where we feel comfortable. Help us to not stop where the land looks like what we want it to be. Help us to not stop when our life looks like what we want it to look like. Help us to not stop where our church feels like what it should be. But God, I pray that by faith, by trust, by belief in you, God, that each one of us will be able to cross the river. That each one of us will be able to step out in faith into the unknown, into being unaware of what it is that you have for us. But God, instead of trusting in our own understanding, God, that we would be able to look at the promises that you've given us. That we would be able to look at our promised land and see that you've given it to us for a hope for a future, for our benefit, not to cause us harm. And God, I pray that as we journey through life, God, may we be able to be a people who enter into the promises of God. God, I thank you for each one here, and I thank you that you have a promise on each of their lives. God, may we not stop short. May we not allow comfort May we not allow fear. May we not allow anything to stop us from walking in the fullness of what you have for us. God, thank you that you have a future and a hope for each one of us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family, and that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca, or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on Contact Us from the main menu, or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on Our Pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go. Instead of you, put on display your best and brightest. Ironically, the stage is where we hide. That's why we need you. Lord, we need you. God, we can't do what only you do. Holy Spirit, lead.